the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, or let me paraphrase it, bring it out. There's a big difference sometimes in the meaning of what was intended, what he was saying. He was saying that the church world, the church world where God is supposed to dwell and where God dwells, they are compared to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. It was like an indictment that Jesus was bringing. He says he's got his eyes focused in the wrong direction. He's seeking for goodly pearls. The word goodly also translated as ordinary. Something that you can find anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? You, you can find the goodly or the ordinary anywhere. Anyone just about can wear ordinary pearls. But you understand, when you come into where God dwells, it becomes the pearl of great price. We're talking about the supernatural. He says, when you, the merchant man, he says, he goes around finding goodly pearls. He's a merchant man. That means he's trying to find a good deal. He's trying to find a bargain. That's what is going on in the church. I'm talking about the general church, as they try and find a quick fix or a, a just a, a, a quick blessing. But if you look at what goes on in their lives, then you find out that they, they're not tuned in for that extraordinary. But every now and again, God brings me to a place where I can sense and I can tell that people are tuned in for the extraordinary. You know, anytime you come into the presence of God, then you must expect the supernatural. Yes? I mean, that's what you have to, when you expect the supernatural, you're going to raise the level of your expectancy. Then you're going to find out that it's, that's what is going to happen. But when you look for the ordinary, you're going to find the ordinary. But to find the supernatural, there's a price to pay. To pay, You have to sell out. You have to say, Lord, I want. You, you don't want to just come in here and just get a touch from God and say, wow, you know, I received a miracle. You know, you want to live your life in such a way that you can wear that every day of your life. And wherever you go, the supernatural happens around you. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for you. That's what is going on, you know, the church world as we see it today is really in a mess. Come on, can I hear an amen on that? It really is in a mess. In fact, most churches you go to, they don't really uh, expect the supernatural. They go to church. They go for a sermon and a program. And that's about it. Now, more and more, you don't see lives change. I, I can tell you that because I go worldwide. I mean, I go all around the world. And, and nowhere in the world right now are, are things more pitiful than here in the United States. And I love the U.S. You know, I'm, I'm American from my head to my toe. 
And I know, you know, you don't really particularly can tell with my Californian accent. <laughs> no, I'm not from California. I'm from, Lu I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> I'm kidding. From South Africa. <coughs> but, you know, as you, as you go around in, in this nation, you can tell that this nation has reached a place of compromise, total compromise. But I got good news for you. It's not going to stay that way. God is not done with this nation. This is going to be still, I believe, this is the headquarters of the church on planet Earth. And our role that we play in these end-time events is not going to be with our war machines, but it's going to be to spread the gospel of the supernatural. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. And it's still going to happen. Take your Bibles. And uh, how many of you came here expecting something this weekend? You know, you know, just expect a miracle. How many of you are sick? Let me see anybody sick here. One or two. You know, God will heal you. Say it. God will heal me. Come on, say it. You've got to speak it. See, there's something about declaring. I always teach people when I go overseas, I teach them, you know, you have to declare it. Once you receive it, you have to seal it. When you seal it, it cannot, you know, if you seal it, it cannot be stolen. Yes? Once you seal it, that's it. It cannot be stolen. So what you do is when you receive it, you speak it. And you declare it. And so what you have to do is declare. When I go overseas, I, I teach them, declare it. Once you declare it, that's it. That you now believe with your heart and with your mouth, confession is made. Once you seal it, that's it. It's done. We see people overseas, you know, that receive their, their healing and it's not done yet. We call it manifest. It hadn't manifested yet. I had a man that we prayed for. We're all grown-ups here. I had a man that came up there, you know, overseas. When you, when you ask them what goes on, they'll show you. <laughs> you, know, it's not like, you know, you pray for a lady that's got breast cancer. You ask her what's going on, and she'll look up and show you. You know, that's what's going on. You know, the, you see the tumor. I mean, it's just so great but they expect God to heal it. See, they don't just come to church. They expect God to heal it. See, here in the United States, things have changed. When people are sick, they go to the doctor, they stay away from church. And so this one man came, he, I asked him what goes on, and he, said, he opened a robe. He couldn't hardly walk. They had to walk a man on either side to bring him up to where I was. And so asking what goes on. So he opens, opens the robe and he scrotum. Now when I show you now, I mean, there's no exaggeration. It's scrotum was that big. Just blown up with poison in it, you know, whatever it was. Pain like you could possibly not imagine. And then after we pray for him, lay hands on him, we, we teach them. Before we, before we pray, we teach them. Now, after you're being prayed for, you have to declare your miracle. 
And so after we prayed for him, nothing happened, you know, visibly. But he declares it, puts his hands up like that and starts walking away. Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed, I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. And he takes four or five steps and that thing pops like a balloon. Poof. I mean, the stuff just spreads all over. <laughs> and then, I mean, the cameras, my camera crew is there and they take films of, of this thing as it, as it happened. And after it's popped like that, shreds, I'm telling you, just like shreds are hanging. Just, you know, you thought, man, everything else dropped out. No. Four days later at testimony service, he comes to testify with all the others. And the doctor that is with me, you know, investigates and checks him out and cannot even find a scar totally healed. Come on, give God a praise offering. You know, I mean, it's just phenomenal. You have to declare it. Say it, I have to declare it. Let me just share one more with you. A lady that, that comes to our meetings, this is in, in uh, Africa. She comes to, uh, she was going to come to the meeting, but she was very pregnant. And then she, the baby comes on. She goes to the hospital to have the baby, and the baby is born dead. I mean, it's stillborn. And so the hospital says to her, you know, uh, do you want us to just get rid of the remains? We have an incinerator here at the hospital. She says, no, I'm going to go to the man of God on the other side of the city. God is going to heal my baby. And you know how they go. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, just go. So she gets in the cab and she drives in the, she rides in a cab for more than a half an hour to get through the traffic to where our meetings are on the other side of the city. When, when she gets there, there's a half a million people and, and uh, the meeting, and there's no way she can get anywhere near. Around the outside perimeters, we have security people who stops her and asks her, what do you need? She says, I need to get through to the man of God. And they ask her, what do you, what, what's wrong? I want him to pray for my baby. What's wrong with your baby? He's dead. Go home and go and bury the child. She says, no. No, I'm not ready to bury my child. You know, somebody else is always ready to bury your children or bury, your, you know, your situation. Let me tell you something. Not so with Jesus. You have to just say to yourself continuously, I've got to get to Jesus. Come on, say it. I've got to get to Jesus. And so uh, they don't, don't want to let her through. A little 10-year-old girl sees this commotion going on, witnesses the commotion, and she runs through and pushes through the crowd and gets to where I'm praying for the sick. The pastor of the church is right there next to me. And so he stops the little girl, and he wants to know from her what's going on. Because she's crying. And she tells the pastor what's going on. And the pastor says, well, we cannot stop him right now. You know, he's praying for the living. <laughs> you know, so... He picks up the sermon notes from that morning. He says, take these sermon notes. Go and lay it on the baby. And the baby will live. See, that's declaring it in the atmosphere. Come on, give God a praise offering. That's declaring it. You understand? You have to get to a place where you stop 
talking negative. Say it with me. There's nothing God cannot do. Come on, say it. There's nothing that he cannot answer to. I mean, you know, what, what is there that God cannot do? So the ba- this little 10-year-old girl runs back with his sermon notes to where the baby is. And when she gets there, my camera crew is there with him and, and, you know, brushes through the crowd, gets there, and they find two midwives trying to, you know, revive the baby that's now been born for close to an hour. And it was born dead, so we don't know, you know, when did it die in her womb. But they have the baby by the ankles, and they slap the tar out of this baby. And so this girl comes to the mother and says, the man of God said, isn't that something we should actually get back again? It's not just stormy. It's not just yawn. It's not just Pete or John or Susan or Shelley. It's the man or the woman of God. Come on, give God a praise offering. See, that's what's missing in our nation. We've just made that just an ordinary office that we pay them a salary. No. We're the you and me. We are the people of God. Please don't miss tomorrow night. So the mother comes and she stops these midwives and says, Stop, stop, stop. This is what the man of God said. And those midwives says, How can paper heal the baby? She says, I don't know, but he said it. So they, with the cameras right there on them, they lay the the paper on the baby that's been dead for don't know how long. And when the paper touches the baby, the baby goes like this and breathes and lives. And the baby's name is George. He's now four years old. Come on, give God a praise offering, my goodness. We've got to get back to a place where we declare it not based on what we've learned, but what we know about him. Yes? Let me share one more thing with you. That's honor. See, say that word, honor. See, honor is, is something that that the church is so empty with honor. See, when God deals with us, he brings to us riches and honor. Say those two words, words, riches and honor. Now, if you don't give honor, if you don't receive honor, you don't give honor, you're not going to have riches. And if you have riches and you don't share honor, you understand, you become a zero. You have to know how to honor. Now, coming back to the supernatural, when you come to the supernatural, you find out that in Nazareth, Jesus did not perform any miracles except a few, is how the Bible says it. He didn't perform any miracles except a few. Then they asked him, why was there no miracles? And Jesus said, because there was no honor. See, if you don't give honor, if you don't know how to give honor, 
then you're not going to receive anything from God. And that's where I want to talk to you about quickly this morning. Giving honor. So once you recognize you don't honor the man, you honor God who is in the man or the woman. If you don't know how to do that, you see in Africa when I'm over there, you know, and, 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 and not just Africa, India, when we go over there, we see such spontaneous miracles. When I was in Swaziland just two, uh, two years ago in Swaziland, uh, we saw blind people healed without me being anywhere near them. I mean, they came forward for the worship, and in the worship service, I mean, they're standing there with, with their white canes, and then when the worship was done, they left their canes. I've got pictures of this. They left their canes on the platform steps. One of the pastors that was with me asked one of the blind guys, hey, you left your cane. There, he says, I won't need it no more. God opened their eyes while they were worshiping. Come on, give God a praise offering. You have to know how to honor because now what happens when we go there, it's no strange thing to have people come and they come and fall down on their, on their knees around me. And I don't expect that, but I'm just telling you how it is. And they'll put their hands in like, please touch me, please touch me. You don't see that with Americans because People are filled with a high-minded, prideful attitudes. Just to get to a place again, like the woman with the issue that crawled on her hands and her knees to get to Jesus because that's the only way she could get to. You understand? That's giving honor. She said, if I can just touch him, I know I'm going to be healed. Hmm? Now, are you with me so far? You know, it's to get to a place where this, you know, and that's one thing we can learn from the black churches. Now, I like this. I see you've got, you've got a, a reserve sign. Is that for you? <laughs> see, the black churches. Go to a black church, and I'll show you honor. For the pastor and his wife, they'll have a little, little table here. They have a glass with water. They have some peppermints in here. Pastor, when he comes through there, doesn't carry his own Bible. Somebody else carries his Bible. You mean I cannot carry my own Bible? No. It's just we're bringing honor into the house. Now, you can take that or you can reject it. I'm just telling you right now. We need to bring honor back into the house. What does the Bible say about your parents? Come on, louder. But our nation is breaking apart right now. They're killing each other in the streets. Children are becoming totally delinquent. Our nation, our, our, our leaders are thinking that we can fix it up with legislation. No, all we need is honor. Go into the courts and go and sit there in the courts and just see what a, an absence of honor there is. Used to, you couldn't go into a court, and in my country, you still can't go into a court without a tie and a jacket. You want to see what is an absence of honor, just go into any of your classrooms here in this nation. And just go and see, there's no honor. 
Children don't know how to honor their parents. I mean, there's no honor whatsoever. Honor goes hand in hand with the word submit. Say submit. Come on, say it. Submit. See, people want to know about people want to know about spiritual warfare. Well, if you want to know about spiritual warfare, you don't just go to Ephesians six and verse ten. Go to Ephesians five and start in verse twenty-one where he says, husbands, I mean wives, submit unto your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, submit to your parents. I mean, that's the whole thing. You understand? It's all about honor. Honor. Put your hand on your heart. Ask God today. Lord, please help me to fix that part up. Go ahead. Ask God right now. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would Bring this house, because I sense that there's a, a, a desire here for them, oh God, to really become known as a church who moves in the supernatural. Hallelujah. Teach them honor. Take your Bible and go to John 6. And speak just for 10 or 15 minutes. Well, I don't know if I could do it that short. 20 minutes. And then I want to pray for those that need prayer. And then if you'll stay after the second service, if you want to, why not? I mean, really, you know, your food is not going to matter that much. You can always eat after the second service. But I've got some stuff I want to share with you about entering into God's rest and then understand how faith really works. And then we'll pray for the sick in the second service. In John 6, let's start in verse, um, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because. Now, you've got to, when it says because, then note why did they follow him. Great multitude. We always have. We have large groups of people. I mean, we have large audiences we preach to. And after that, only a handful of people excel into high places. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just see miracles. I want my life to be a miracle. Yes? So they followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on those that were diseased. I mean, they're just curious. I have a lot of people that receive their healing and never come back to church after that. And then followed that is where the multi multiplying of the bread and fishes takes place. And then in verse 14, after that miracle, then those men which they had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. Now, you understand, it's very important that we note these things. They got it wrong. He was not just a prophet. See, that's, that's what happened with the men on the way to Emmaus. The Bible says their eyes were holding. And they told Jesus when he was walking with them on the way, not knowing it was Jesus, they said, this is what we thought about him. We thought he was a prophet sent by God. And then they killed him. 
We thought he was going to be Messiah ben Judah. They got it wrong. You understand, when you get it wrong, at the time when God joins your path with you, you won't even know it's God. Eyes were withholding. They just saw him as just a, a prophet. He is not just a God. He is the only God. There's none like him. There's none beside him. There is no other God. We cannot put God on the same platform as the other gods. Come on, give God a praise offering. He's not just a God. And so they said that, they said um, that of a truth, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And the disciples, just to cut short on the reading, the disciples then were told to go over Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, into Capernaum. On the way there, you remember the storm came up, and then Jesus walked on the water to get to them, and immediately as he got into their boat, they were at the seashore. And so now, uh, starting in verse uh, 25, uh, these people that were after the miracles, they came the next day, and they tried to find Jesus. They asked around, and people said, well, you know, he got the disciples. We know the disciples went into a boat. They left with a boat. He went up into the mountain here. That's all they knew. And then later on, as you read this chapter, you find out that they finally goes to, to go to Capernaum, the headquarters of Jesus. And there they find Jesus. And now in verse 25, And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence camest thou hither? Or even, how did you get here? Because we had heard, you know, the disciples left without you. And then Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. He says, you've got your priorities messed up. You're searching for me for the wrong reason. And then he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat, meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Then in verse 28, they said to him, What shall we do that we may do the works of God? Now look at me. You've got to get this one by revelation. What I'm going to tell you now will change your life forever. It will change your life forever. But you've got to get it by revelation. It's not something... That's going to happen by teaching. Say it. Say it out loud. Say, they asked. They asked what must we do, must we do to, do to do the works of God? Then Jesus answered in verse 29. Look at that. Look at verse 29. He says, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he hath sent. Right? So let's try it again. Say, they asked. What did they ask? What must we do to, to do the works of God? 
And then Jesus answered in verse 29, this is the works of God. What is that? Believe what? No, it doesn't say believe on him. Believe, see the whole thing. Answer the whole thing. That's the answer. The question is, what must we do? Say, they asked it. What must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe on the one whom he hath sent. That's the key. Question and answer. Now, do you get it? Say, amen? Do you get it? Okay, let me ask you. You ask me, say, what must we do to do the works of God? And the answer is, believe in the one whom he hath sent. Now, to those people at that time, the people at that time, they asked, what must we do? Jesus said, believe in the one whom he hath sent. Who was that? Say it louder. Now, you ask me, what must And I'll answer you, believe in the one whom he has sent. Who is that? No. You have to understand, you have to define who it is that God sent your way. God no longer sends Jesus. He was sent, and it was done. See, at that time, Jesus was standing in front of them, and God sent Jesus to them. And so the question was, who did God send to them? Jesus. Question today, who does God send to you? See, that's the whole problem. That's why people don't receive from God. They don't know who's the one that sent. See, let me, let, me, uh, let me back up a little bit. I want to take you a little bit of a long way around because I want it to sink into you. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, well-known verse of Scripture. I like the amplified version better. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists. That's what amplified says. He says he must believe that God exists. So he who comes to God must believe that God exists. Now you understand, that's the problem. When people come for prayer, they don't really believe God is in that man. See, when I come to him, what must I do to do the work of God? I must believe in the one whom God has sent. Who did God send today? Jan Venter. When, when Pastor Stormy prays for you, who did God send? Pastor Stormy. When you pray for people, you go to the hospital, you go and pray for friends of yours, who did God send there? You. See, we're talking about honor. We're not, we're not saying we're taking the place of God. But you must understand that when you come to God in that person, you must believe he exists. 
If you don't believe that God exists in that man, you are not going to receive any miracles. Because here's the thing. If Jesus himself stood here and you had blind eyes, and he put his hand on your blind eyes, what was going to happen? Come on, say it louder. Well, you understand that God in me, or God in Pastor Stormy, or God in you for that matter, is no less powerful and effective than what it was with God in the man Christ Jesus. Amen. Love the way you listen. I know you're listening because, you know, I'm watching you when I preach, when I speak, you're sitting there. And when I say something that you really think about, you go like this. So, it's okay. I, it's as good as an amen. Bite down on that gum and say, Jesus, please teach me. You have to understand, God wants you to understand. It's not just a new concept. It's not a new principle. It was like that from the beginning of time. When God put Adam in the garden, he put Adam in the garden and he says, I give you dominion. Hmm? That dominion thing is powerful. But you have to declare it. See, you have to speak it. It becomes a spoken word where you speak like God. You speak not like a man. You speak like God. Yes? One time I, you know, a shark attacked me. I've got it in some of the books there. Shark. I was in three miles into the ocean snorkeling, and a, a shark, big bull shark came to get me. He wanted to eat me. And I had no protection, no boat anywhere nearby. And he came, he was, uh, I know, I've been spearfishing for many, many years, and I, I know what they look like when they're going to a frenzy. And he came and bumped me the first time and then made a turn and he came and rushed towards me and narrowly missed me. And when he came that third time, I knew what he was going to do now. And then I remembered, I've been given dominion over him. You understand? It's, it's, it's something you have, to, you have to live with. Not just with a headache. And not just with an ordinary problem, but if it's with cancer or with it's, it's with a shark, it doesn't matter. I went under the water. I dived towards that oncoming shark, and he was coming very fast with his mouth halfway open. And I dived towards him, and under the water I said, Jesus! That shark took off, man, I'm telling you. Never saw him again. We have dominion. Say, we have dominion. We have dominion. Just three years ago, Bessie and I, my wife, were in the, uh, in, 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 uh, on a safari in Africa, and two demon-possessed lions come and attack our car. One lion grabs the, grabs the car with his teeth. I mean, and this is unthinkable. You know, for lions to do that, if you tell anybody, they'd say, I was lying. But he bit into the fender, 
my sister's brand new little Mazda. And he bites into the fender like this, trying to tear it off. And the other lion is trying to get my wife through the rear window. And the driver next to us went into a fear attack, and he's... His leg goes like this, you know. <laughs> he, he tried to back up slowly and then backed up into a pothole. And then he's in total fear because these dying lions now want to eat us. And so then I remembered God said he's given us dominion. And I'm telling you just like it happened, you know. I, under normal circumstances, I would never do that. But I opened the door and I stepped out of the door And when I stepped out, I raised my voice at those lions. And I said, Jesus! When I said, Jesus, they took off with their tails in the air and tooting as they ran. Come on, give God a praise offering. Glory to God. Come on, somebody, give him a shout of praise. It's high time that we understand who it is that is inside of us. We're We're not carrying a Santa Claus image inside of us. We're carrying the very God who created heaven and earth inside of us. Come on, give God a praise offering. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You have to know who it is that is inside a person. Now, you know, that concept was like that with Moses. You remember Moses? When he asked God, who shall I say will set these people free. You remember? He asked God, who shall I say? Because Moses knew. He grew up in Egypt. He knew that they had over 300 gods over there. And the very first thing that Pharaoh was going to ask, who shall I say? Or who is going to set these people free? And God, when he said, who shall I say? God said, See, to you, God is, I am that I am. And now you go and stand in front of your Pharaoh like Moses, who does not know who Jehovah is. And he asks the question, who shall I say? I mean, who is going to set these people free? And Moses answered, I am. You see, now, I bet you that when Moses told him, you know, I am or I am that I am, Pharaoh did not think about God. Standing there, who's going to set them free? I am. Are you going to set them free? Well, the God who is inside me is going to set them free. Are you getting it? What shall we do? Ask me again. What shall we do to do the works of God? The answer is believe in the one whom he hath sent. Who is that? Whoever is praying over you. God is, God is placed in that person or in me. He says, all power is given unto me and I give it to you. So that when you stand in front of your mountain and you say, say it, you say, 
be thou lifted up. And you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe in the things you say. You will have whatever you say. Come on, give God a praise offering. Glory to God. You understand? It becomes, it becomes a powerhouse. You understand? There's a lot of religious people that will not accept this teaching. I preach for a large Baptist church. They'll never have me back again because I preach this stuff. But then I preached to another large Baptist church, Ron Phillips' church, and the people went crazy. He's on television. And so, I mean, it's just, it, it all depends, you know, how ready are you to receive revelation? You are not a nobody. Say it, I'm not a nobody. Not a nobody. And he is not just the preacher man. He's the man of God. Needs to change, and our nation needs to change. This morning, when we pray for the sick, we lay hands on you. It doesn't matter what happens at that moment. It is going to happen. This, just this last Sunday, they brought a lady with leukemia, and they've only given her like a week or two to live. And they brought her to the meeting. And I told her, I said, now you have to understand that God himself is standing right in front of you in me. If you can believe that, this leukemia dies right now. The pastor just uh, met me a day before I left to come here. He said, John, you've got to come see me. He said, that girl, they, she just come out of the hospital now. They, did a, they drilled into her hip to draw bone marrow. And they just now come back with a report. The doctors just told her there's no cancer. There's zero cancer. Yeah, go ahead and give God a praise offering. It's not young. You understand? It's not young. Now, that's the thing God had to teach me. It's, something you, you, it's not something that you can te- uh, learn out of a college. God has to teach it to you. You know, when, when God years ago spoke to me, and I'm going to bring this to a close now. When God spoke to me years ago, you know, about the supernatural, God said, John, your problem is you don't understand me. Because you understand, you go to college and you go and learn theology. But you've got to learn how to know the ways of God and the hand of God. I said, God, how do you mean I don't understand you? God said, okay, let me, let me try you. Go, and I was pastoring a church, and God, God said, go and take out a full-page ad and advertise the blind. Sunday night you're going to pray for the sick, and the blind will see, and the deaf will hear, and then the lame will walk. Go. And I didn't do it. You know, it's not like here in America. You can do it and hardly anybody will come because they don't believe that. In Africa, it's different. You, you put that in the newspaper, you know, full page. They're going to come from far and wide. I had a man one time crawled on his buttocks like this, 26 miles because he had no legs. So I didn't do it because... Three miles down the road, there was a school for the blind. And two miles in the opposite direction, a school for the deaf. And my, my church was built right behind an orthopedic hospital. And then so Monday morning, God asked me, why didn't you do that? Now, you know, you don't lie to God. You don't bring excuses. God asked me, why didn't you do it? So I just told him the truth. Lord, I was scared. Why were you scared for? 
I said, God, you mean the angels didn't tell you about this blind school down here? It's just the way I talk to God. God said, so? Whose reputation is at stake? Yours or mine? And I knew right away if I said yours, then God would say, well, why are you afraid for my reputation? Am I a man that I should lie? Or the son of man that I would repent? Have I said anything that I cannot perform it? And then I hung my head and I said, God, it's my reputation. The Lord said, well, you, the only reason why you have your reputation at stake is because you still don't really believe I'm the healer. If you really believe I'm the healer, you will not be afraid to pray for the sick. I'm the healer. Come on, say it. Say, God, you're the healer. I mean, God had hardly spoken that to me when the phone rang and a pastor friend of mine uh, uh, called. I needed to go and pray for his wife in the hospital. She had suffered a severe stroke, severe. When I walked into the hospital room where the family was, and, and I mean, there was really no hope for her, uh, the uh, one side had totally collapsed. I mean, it was just a horrible sight, and one side of her face was hanging down, and she was not communicating. It was just horrible. And they asked me to pray. They they expected a miracle. And so I went and stood there next to her bed, and silence came into the room, and I closed my eyes, getting ready to pray. You know, sometimes when you pray, you want to just collect your thoughts. You know, and you want to say a wonderful prayer. You want to pray in such a way that people can say afterwards, So you're still standing there thinking. I'm collecting my thoughts. And I haven't even said Jesus. And I feel somebody pulling my jacket like this. My eyes are closed. And they pull my jacket again a second time. So I open my one eye to see what's going on here. And it's this lady in the bed. Laying there in the bed. Totally healed. I haven't said Jesus. And God healed her. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. You know, when I went back there, God said, I just wanted you to understand. It's got nothing to do with you. It's all me. It's me in you. The disciples in the old days, they used to walk, and their shadow falling on people would heal them. Because it's God. Say, it's God. Hallelujah. Say, open my eyes. Close your eyes and say, Lord, Please open my spiritual eyes. Lord, please let me know who I am. And let me know who you are. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And come on, stop allowing the devil to ride you with uh, he, the guilt in your life because you're not perfect. My goodness, don't think for one minute you're the only one that's not perfect. You know, every one of us are having some problem or another that God is still working with. Stand on your feet and raise your hands towards God. Come on, and just dare to say, God, here I am.